You are listening to the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast with Monica Louie, episode number 10. Welcome to the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast, where we help online entrepreneurs grow their influence, amplify their impact, and scale their businesses all the way to seven figures. And now, here's your host, Monica Louie. Hey, hey, thank you so much for joining me for the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast. I'm Monica Louie, and I am so excited to share today's interview with you. Today, we are talking to Lauren McGoodwin. Lauren is the founder and CEO of Career Contessa, a career site that has been helping women build successful and fulfilling careers on their terms since 2013. Today, Career Contessa helps over 1 million women navigate their careers, but it's more than just a portal to apply for jobs. It's a place where women can gain a competitive edge in the workplace through original career advice, job opportunities, and an inside look at companies hiring, e-learning courses, and access to expert career coaches. Now, before we dive into the interview, I want to make sure that you know that you can find all of the links and resources that are mentioned in today's episode at monicalouie.com slash 10. That's M-O-N-I-C-A-L-O-U-I-E.com slash the number 10. Now, if you're brand new to the podcast, then I want to welcome you. I would be so honored if you would hit the subscribe button so that you can get all of the future episodes downloaded automatically. And if you'd like to hear my story of how I went from being a working mom in corporate America to a stay-at-home mom to a work-from-home mom with a multiple six-figure business teaching and managing Facebook and Instagram ads, then I encourage you to listen to the very first episode of the podcast where I share more about what this podcast is all about and who I am. And yes, we are shooting to flourish to seven figures. So you can find that episode at monicalouie.com slash one. Now, there's so much great content in today's interview with Lauren, so I'm excited to dive right in, but here is just a taste of what you're going to learn. Lauren is going to share the creative ways that Career Contessa attracts new email subscribers, how Lauren and her team developed their comprehensive email marketing strategy, including the onboarding sequence, segmentation, and keeping engagement high. I found that really interesting. Plus, she's going to share the unexpected marketing strategies that are increasing sales for Career Contessa's online courses and a whole lot more. So let's dive in to the interview with Lauren McGoodwin from careercontessa.com. Hey, Lauren, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. I'm thrilled to have you here. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. So first off, I want to start off with who you are and what you do now, but then I want to go back to your entrepreneurial journey and how you got started. So can you tell us who you are and what you do? Yes. Uh, Well, my name is Lauren McGoodwin, and I'm the founder and CEO of Career Contessa. Career Contessa is a career site for women, and we use the word career site very much on purpose because we are not just a job site. Yes, we help people who are job searching. We have an active jobs board and we have company profiles, um, but we really help with every stage of your career. So if anybody works, we can basically help them through every stage. We've got everything from articles and interviews, job postings, downloadable resources, webinars. We have our own career coaching service as well as online learning courses. And we have an anonymous salary database. So we'll even help you figure out you know, how much money you should be making, what to ask for and how to do it. So really every single part of that career that is you know, navigating those tricky waters. Very cool. And I was checking out the site. You've got a lot of content, just as you mentioned, a lot of things going on there, but you also have a lot of resources for entrepreneurs and those growing and managing teams. And so I think there are a lot of resources that the audience can go and find. So can you point out what some of those are? Yeah, absolutely. I think some of the areas that are probably the most helpful, especially if you are running a business. And what we found is, you know, there's the job search part of life, right? But then there's career development and career development is sort of a a large umbrella term for if you are running your own business and you hire your first employee, how do you hire that first employee? What should you be thinking about? How do you make a job description? How do you provide clarity around their tasks? How do you manage them? How do you make it so that, you know, you can manage them, but also get parts of your job done. So we have an entire library of downloadable resources. And I think one of the things we're most well known for is the fact that 
we are really good at taking, you know, big, complicated, somewhat unknown and the rules of, you know, hiring and how to manage are definitely not written. So we're really good at taking those big concepts and taking them down to very actionable, digestible to-do lists, everything from scripts to worksheets, to checklists. So that's an area that I would definitely recommend anybody who is an entrepreneur or currently working at a company or wants to stay within a company and kind of take that entrepreneurial spirit with them wherever they go. That's an area that they can definitely utilize. And then we also have our podcast, which is a super simple and obviously anyone listening to this likes podcast. It's called The Females. It's uh, spelled F-E-M-A-I-L-S, like the word female and emails mixed together. Um, And we cover all the topics of work from management to also those internal tools. So we just recently talked about how to stop comparing yourself to others. You know, if you are an entrepreneur, that's super applicable. But if you are working for an organization, also applicable. So those are two great places for people to start. Wonderful. Thank you. So now you and I were chatting a bit before and we realized that we both have this connection in the Northwest, the University of Oregon. We're both alumni. (laughs) And so can you tell us, you know, where did your entrepreneurial journey start? Did you always know that you wanted to have your own business and, you know, be the boss and become an entrepreneur? Or did that just happen naturally? Was it kind of a surprise? How did you start off with your career? Yeah, no, it was definitely not on purpose. So I went to University of Oregon. I graduated in 2009 with an education degree. I thought I wanted to become a teacher, which is really fascinating because even though I'm not an elementary school teacher, I use a lot of what I learned around in the education program at University of Oregon to create online courses. So things thinking about curriculum and learning experiences. But while that's helpful today, it was not helpful in 2009, graduated in 2009, not a good year to graduate, really not a good year for, for most of us, terrible recession. Also, I didn't have any applicable skills. So I actually was very desperate to get a job and work for somebody else. I like entrepreneurship was very far from my mind. I ended up moving to Los Angeles for uh, like a, a larger job market, interviewed at a ton of different places, didn't get anything. Finally got hired as an administrative assistant working for a university and really hated it. I mean, not shocking that I hated it, but like really hated it and was very much, you know, that transition, which I think is hard for a lot of people to go from school and all that kind of stuff and having these big dreams to the reality, right, of real life. So I definitely hit that pavement, uh, smacked that pavement, I should say, which led me down this path of sort of career development and like a, a huge obsession with like careers. And so I was enrolled in a master's program and I wrote my thesis on millennial women and career resources. Um, when I was at the university of Oregon, I was obsessed with the career center. So in hindsight, I think I was a little bit entrepreneurial and I, at least I was very interested in this space, but I didn't connect the dots. So what I did after that admin assistant job is I actually transitioned into a recruiting job at Hulu. And so One, I think that was really a big kick in the pants for entrepreneurship because I was working at this very early stage startup and it was addicting, like the energy of a startup and the people moving fast and things are happening was really addicting to me. And also working in recruiting and being on the other side of the hiring table was, you know, kind of giving me this broad education, mixing that with this thing I was sort of obsessed or passionate about. And long story short, I ended up leaving Hulu after being there for a number of years to launch Career Contessa, which it did start. Career Contessa was actually a byproduct of that master's thesis I was writing. And the university actually gave me the money to create the first prototype. So I kept Career Contessa around because I thought maybe I would leverage it into a new job opportunity, like going from a recruiter to you know someone that worked in talent development or something like that but it ended up becoming my next career for myself. And for me, entrepreneurship didn't come natural. It was something I was thinking about for, you know, probably a year and a half before I actually did it. I saved up a ton of money. I was, I'm very risk adverse. So it was really challenging for me to do it. But ultimately I always like to describe it as like, I felt like I'm on the the diving platform and I've jumped. And once you jump, you can't, you can't go back up to the platform, right? You're, you're in midair, you're going to hit the water and figure out how to swim back to the shore, so to speak. And, and so that's how I felt about entrepreneurship. Now I'm much more comfortable with it, but man, that first year of being an entrepreneur was <laughs> extremely challenging. So what made you take the leap into doing that full time? Yeah. So at the time Hulu was going through a big transition, our CEO and CTO had left and we had 
basically gotten in like a new owner. And so there was a lot of moving parts at Hulu and I kind of stuck it out, like waiting for that to kind of figure out, you know, where everything was going to fall. And I think ultimately it wasn't so much that I was desperate to start my own company. I was just sort of desperate because everything was in flux at Hulu. And I looked around, there were no females in the leadership positions. Um, When it came to talent development, I was really having a struggle of recognizing like, hey, there's a huge gap here. We're spending a lot of time and money and resources hiring people, but we're not really developing them when they're here. And I, I fall into that. Like, I don't feel like I'm necessarily being developed. And so I made the leap partially because I was thinking about my next career move and I was comparing every job I interviewed to starting and launching and running career contests full time. And I think what was the, you know, hitting the, the last straw for me, I guess, was I had a male counterpart. I had been working on the team for three years. He had been working on it for three months and then they essentially promoted him over me. And it was like, I didn't even know we were, somebody was about to get promoted, you know? And so I learned like, you really have to advocate for yourself. And that was sort of, for me, I was like, that's it. I have to start this thing. Like, I don't care if I'm uncomfortable with it. There needs to be a career resource for women out there. Um, so nobody is passed up for the promotions. We're not paid, you know, not equal to men and that we never feel like we're lost in, in how to navigate these careers. I absolutely love that. And so you set out to create your own path and really take charge so that your career wasn't at, you know, the hands of somebody else. Right. Exactly. And, you know, again, like knowing what I know about entrepreneurship now, I don't, you know, it's like, I don't know if I would have done it, but at the time, you know, ignorance is bliss kind of in a lot of ways because I felt like, well, the world needs this and I've already kind of started this. So I have to follow through with it. But, you know, but entrepreneurship was really, really hard. Like I said, like figuring out how to make money, how to manage a team, like everything I've done in the last five years since I started it has been so much harder than I could have ever imagined. And I think that is why you almost have to start off in this like unbelievable state of like the world needs what I am making. And that's what keeps you going. That's wonderful. Okay. So it has grown and evolved over the last five years. So can you share how Career Contessa started off with monetizing and then how it makes money now? Yeah, absolutely. So when I first launched Career Contessa, we were a WordPress site and all we had were interviews. So we were interviewing women who had a variety of careers in different fields, kind of asking like, hey, what do you do and how did you get there? The first thing I did when I left my job, my full-time job was I realized, hey, we should probably create a little bit more content because I had other topics I wanted to talk about. I didn't really think about the fact that that might bring in sponsored content because at the time, most people who were bloggers, they were writing about categories that were more lifestyle oriented. So when I first left and I started to expand the content and and really make like a very career focused blog, I started getting reached out to by companies uh, and businesses, definitely not people in the lifestyle site who would be like, Hey, we'd love to ask you to write a post about our product and we'll pay you for it. So I first started monetizing with sponsored content, definitely a little bit by accident. And the other way we monetized when we first started was people would pay to post jobs on our jobs board and they still pay to post on our jobs board and people still pay us for sponsored content. But as our audience grew and we got better at it, obviously we started to charge more. So that's how we started with monetization. And then fast forward to today, we now monetize through, like I said, that sponsored content where our podcast is also part of an ad network and we have advertising there. We try to make it as native advertising as possible. So we don't actually have ads anywhere just like on the site. It's usually built into content that we're building for them. We have company profile subscriptions. So companies will pay a yearly subscription to promote their company culture and what it's like to work there and kind of what we call being female forward. We've got the jobs board. We have our career coaching platform. So essentially what that is, is a, is a large marketplace of career coaches that we pre-vet that people can buy a session with. And we take a cut from each of those sessions. And then probably the newest and, and, you know, soon to hopefully become the biggest is our education piece. So we've been creating online courses and that has been really, really exciting for us. We've started with obviously job search topics because that's kind of where we know people have a lot of urgency around. So anything from, you know, 
having a new resume to your LinkedIn. And then we're moving into more what we call kind of career growth and career development topics. So the next course that we have coming out is called the new manager manual. And all of those courses, they're priced between 97 and $197. Everything on our site is extremely accessible price wise. And we give people a lot of options. If you want to start with the free stuff and self-direct, you can do that, but you can also move all the way up to extreme personalization with hiring one of our career coaches. So you're offering a broad range of offers to hit everybody, to be able to help anybody, no matter where they are in their stage of life and career and what they are really needing. Yeah. And what I remember also as being an education major was that everyone's learning style is different. And so one of the things that we try to keep in mind is like, some people are really great at reading an article and or downloading, you know, a worksheet and applying it because they're very great, you know, very good at like self-directing themselves. Other people really like the fact that in the online courses, it's a video showing you step by step from, you know, kind of packaging it all together. And other people are like, I don't care about any of that. I just want to talk to a person like they want. It's almost like therapy kind of vibe. And so it wasn't necessarily like we were trying to create all these resources per se, but we did realize that like, We need to be able to help people at all these different stages, but also we need to think about their learning style and what works well for them. Because ultimately our goal is to help women build successful and fulfilling careers. And we can't do that if they don't have the tools that work for them. And so how did you start driving traffic in the beginning? And then how does traffic come to the site now? Yeah. So in the beginning, it was definitely through writing content. So we were interviewing women in our interview section. We were essentially writing blog content. So on the interview section, anytime we would interview someone and it would go live, we would email them and say, hey, we'd love for you to share this with your network. Here's all the graphics and here's what you can say to share it. And they they would always be really great about doing that. So we would get traffic that way. And then with our blog, um, without even really understanding SEO, we were just writing the way we think. And so we were kind of writing blog posts related to very much subscribing to kind of like SEO practices, again, like without even really knowing. So how to structure your resume, because those were questions that people ask, but also how to structure your resume is a great title from an SEO perspective. So that's how we first started getting traffic to the site. And one thing I really regret is that I didn't really give a lot of thought or effort to building our email list. So as we were writing these articles and having these interviews, we didn't really have a a strong call to action to get people on our email list. And I remember we had a partnership in the very beginning. I cold pitched Refinery29 and they let me write a couple articles for them. And it sent a ton of traffic to our site, like, like thousands and thousands of people in a day. And because we didn't have any email signups, people who wanted to be on our email list had to really hunt and peck for it. Well, we probably only got like 300 email subscribers out of like 30,000 people that visited that day or something crazy like that. So that was when I started to connect the dots of like emails. So that's how we started today. Obviously we're still very heavily involved with creating content. Um, and that's the number one way that people find us is through organic traffic or also social traffic. So Pinterest, Instagram, et cetera, Facebook, all that good stuff, but utilizing SEO and having that written content. But the next thing that we started doing is we got really serious about growing our email list. And now we get about a third of our traffic every month comes from our email list, clicking through from the articles we send them. So, you know, you, you live and you learn obviously with all this stuff, but now our traffic to our site is a a much bigger mix of a lot of different tools versus in the beginning, it was really very, very much like only word of mouth and content. Very cool. So when you made that shift and you decided to focus on growing the email list, what changes did you make on the site, you you know, Mm -hmm. in order to make it easier to allow people to sign up for the newsletter? Yeah. So I did all the things I said I was never going to do. I have a pop-up when you come to careercontested.com, you know, a pop-up will say, Hey, join our email list, which in the beginning I was like, those are so annoying. Everyone hates them. Well, they might hate them, but they absolutely work. (laughs) So um, being much more thoughtful about having these call to actions throughout our homepage in the footer. When we promote articles, every single article has a content upgrade. So like I said, one of the things we're really good at doing is taking kind of a complicated issue and turning it into a digestible worksheet or like a script or some sort of e-guide or anything like that. So we really built out that resource library and every single article today now has an 
a content upgrade in it. So we became more purposeful about just thinking like, okay, if the number one goal of everything that we're doing is to drive people to sign up for our email list and we want them to opt in like on their own, we need to make sure that's front and center. So, you know, putting those content upgrade call to actions like higher up in the blog post, having the pop-up on screen when we post things on social media, driving people to the blog post, which has the email list, thinking about those resources and making sure that they are something that people actually want to download and not just having one resource. So that's a thing I see a lot on people's sites is they have one downloadable resource. Well, what happens if that person like that topic doesn't relate to them. So then they don't download it. So we have, you know, a lot of different tools out there. And then obviously the big ones that are a lot harder to do. And so, you know, we focus on kind of all the low hanging fruit first, but now with our salary project, in order for you to see 30,000 plus salaries from real people, you have to sign up, you have to create an account. And so when you create an account and you give us your email address and you give us that information, we're also getting your email. So we started, like I said, with low hanging fruit, which is like the pop-ups and the content upgrades. And we've moved into being a lot more sophisticated, which is custom building some of the tools that we really want and we know are really valuable, but also saying like, Hey, in order to, to play, you have to, you know, quote unquote pay with your email address. So pretty much everything we do is now hidden behind an email wall. Okay, very cool. So you gave us a lot of great places where we can look at our own site and see, you know, where are the improvements that we can make? I like that having the call to action higher up in the blog post. I usually have it at the end of the blog post, but having it higher up and just calling it out, you know, naturally, I guess, to you can download this free resource that goes along with the content that you're digesting right now. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So what is your email service provider? So we use ConvertKit. We used to use MailChimp and we moved to ConvertKit probably two years ago. And what I've realized is that there's no one perfect email provider out there. So just keep that in mind. But I really like ConvertKit because it works for the things that were a priority to us. So, you know, that was one of the reasons why we moved over there. We are on ConvertKit as well. And a lot of our clients and students use ConvertKit. We absolutely love it. I mean, I know that there are a lot of very successful blogs with very large email lists who are also on ConvertKit, but that also, you know, they're not so overwhelming to get started using ConvertKit, Mm -hmm. but it feels like there's a big learning curve. So like the new bloggers, you know, with the smaller email list can get started using those, those features very easily as well. So yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay. So with that, then driving traffic to your blog, to the website via your email list, then do you have strategies that you put into place to increase your open rates and your click-through rates on your emails that you can share with us? Yeah. So we have a whole email strategy. So one of the things that happens is like, we were actually very thoughtful about our welcome sequence, you know, the onboarding of when someone first joins Career Contessa versus when somebody's been on the, you know, an email subscriber for many months. So we definitely have strategies for all of this. I think the onboarding piece of it is probably the most important just because this is a brand new person who maybe they just downloaded a worksheet. So the first thing we did is we investigated, okay, the majority of people who sign up for the email list at Career Contessa, where are they coming from? And as you know, ConvertKit is really great at letting you know where people are coming from. And for us, especially like we have such a big uh, resource library, somebody might have downloaded 10 different worksheets. So trying to first being really thoughtful about like, okay, how are people signing up for this? And then like, what is making them sign up for it? So making sure that onboarding process is really comprehensive and also kind of identifies some of those common steps. Once a person has been onboarded and is on our email list, what we do is we utilize, we ask people to basically opt in to very specific emails. And I think that's a really important part of growing your email list because uh, part of growing it is also making sure that your retention numbers are decent. So if you're losing a ton of people, every time you send out an email, you have a problem. So every Thursday we send out an email based on a category, a specific category that people have you know, read about or chosen to opt into. As you know, on ConvertKit, we utilize tags. So let's say we're sending an article on Thursday that's related to phone interviews. We only send it to the people who have read content or are interested in content related to phone interviews. Sunday is actually the day that we found to be the best time to send an email to our entire email list. So every Sunday we send one big comprehensive email 
to our entire list that has a ton of free content and really interesting, good content. And we're really thoughtful about, okay, what have been people been opening? We A-B test our subject line. So we work really hard at not just making sure that you get on the email list, but that you stay on the email list and you like it and that you respond to us and you engage with us on it. And so I think the tagging system in ConvertKit has been extremely useful for that. And then I also think having specific sequences and being really thoughtful about, for example, every Wednesday we send a jobs email. Well, we won't send that jobs email to our entire list. We only send it to people who have said, I'm interested in getting a jobs email every Wednesday. When we send out emails that are related to sales or promotions at the very bottom of every single email we send and we say, Hey, you can opt out of just the emails related to this topic, or you can opt out of all the career contested emails. So I, I think that's been a really big part for us to create a good email relationship with people. As some people we recognize are only here to read the content every Sunday because they like it, you know, and other people are like, no, no, no I'm cool with being part of everything that you guys are doing. Okay. I like all of those strategies. You're very thoughtful and strategic with your email and also just building that relationship with your reader. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the other thing I started doing in January is I started sending out a monthly, what I call Lauren letter. And that's another thoughtful thing is like, who are your emails coming from? So all of our emails come from, you know, career contested webinar or career contested news or career contested jobs or career contested learning or more me good one. So also like, who are your emails coming from? Cause you don't want to be the person who, tricks them, right? You don't want to trick them into have, having an email come from Lauren McGoodwin and then it'd be about a sale, right? People don't like that. They're like, Hey, you shouldn't have said it was coming from you and being like a personal letter when it's actually asking me to buy something. So we've been really thoughtful about that part of it as well. Okay. Very cool. I want to switch gears now and talk about, you mentioned the challenges and you don't know if you would have started off as an entrepreneur, if you knew what it would involve. Can you share what some of those you know challenges have been over the years? Yeah. I mean, I think it's always interesting because I think in the beginning, you think the biggest challenge is going to be creating whatever it is that you're going to try to sell. Right. So I'll use online courses because I think that's a good example. Um, so we started creating online courses. I thought the biggest hurdle was going to be actually creating the online courses, like video, uh, production, editing, creating the workbook, coming up with the content. I thought all that was going to be really hard. That is hard and it is challenging and creating a really good learning experience does require the ability to kind of take a bunch of information and organize it in a seamless, great learning experience. All of that is true. But the part that I didn't anticipate being so hard is the marketing and how to actually sell to people. So what I didn't really uh, take into account is, you know, okay, how are people, people don't usually land on your website and buy. <laughs> and so that's been something that's been really challenging. I know, you know, this obviously with paid ads and being in part of that world, but that wasn't something I had ever considered, especially because I was a recruiter. So I was very much focused on the, you know, how are people's resumes going to be so good that they'll buy this course and then their resume will get noticed by a recruiter. I didn't think about the sales and the marketing part of it. So how did you get over that? What did you do so that you could learn and understand and improve on that side since that wasn't your forte going in? Yeah, I mean, certainly thank God for online learning on the, on the internet and podcasts and listening to how other people are doing it. Certainly talking to friends who have online courses and talking to them like, hey, how have you sold this? What's worked? What hasn't worked? And I would also say just testing a lot of things. So every month we try something different and see what sticks and what doesn't. And there are some months that the experiment works better than others, like having a webinar, but instead of just driving people to webinar registrations, it's okay, you register for the webinar. And then for a week, we send you emails, kind of like a story, we call it a story funnel, a story funnel about that specific topic. Then you have the webinar, you know, and then do we see if the conversion rate at that webinar is higher? And does that story funnel, how many people were opening those emails prior so like, okay, we tested that next month. We're going to test that people actually sign up to be on a waiting list to get into the webinar and try to see if more people convert to showing up live to the webinar. So every month we are testing something different based on ideas we come up with, things that we see work for other people, chatting with friends. I mean, a lot of this is creative problem solving and working backwards from there. That part of it is challenging, but the part that I had the, the most trouble with was just making sure all the tech is talking to each other. So 
probably like you and a lot of people, we use a lot of third party sites. And so sometimes just wrapping your head around the technology of making sure that ConvertKit is talking to Teachable and Teachable is talking to this one and Deadline Funnel doesn't get messed up for them. So what I ended up doing is finding a marketing consultant who's really good at helping me with the tech side of it. And so not only did I, you know, I recognize that that wasn't my strength, but I also recognize like, Hey, I, I think it's really important to have a, a second pair of eyes in on this process. And so that has been a big game changer for me also is to say like, Hey, that's not my strength. I could probably do it, but it's a better use of my time to find someone who that is their strength. And now we're working together on it. That's been a big game changing piece for me. All those tools you mentioned, we use in our business as well. ConvertKit, Teachable, Deadline Funnel, all of it. And we totally understand the, the tech issues and the tech headaches when things, you know, get disconnected for some weird reason yeah. when they oh were my working gosh. just fine the day before. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. But you, you also brought up something that I also wanted to ask you about. Thank you for the segue. Talk to me about your team because you keep saying we, 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 and then you mentioned the marketing consultant. And so I know you've got a team of people behind you at Career Contessa. So can you share what your team looks like, and then share about building your team. What has that path been like for you? Yeah, absolutely. So there's five full-time employees at Career Contessa. So we're a small yet scrappy, strong team. And the first area that I hired for was related to, to content. So we have a content director who's really well-versed in SEO best practices, but also I wanted to find someone like, I don't mind writing, but if I had to write every single day, it would not be my strength. So someone who is also like very much a natural writer. So that was the first area that I hired in was editorial. And then the other big piece that we needed to hire, I would say like the second role that we hired next after that was related to graphic design. So another thing that we've done at Career Contessa is, you know, at the end of the day, anybody could create a career site, but no one can copy our branding and our, our identity as a brand. And, you know, I always say we, because I like to think of Career Contessa as this like, you know, career girlfriend, best friend that you, you know, everyone has this person like that, where she kind of gives the best advice. We always think of career Contessa as like the person and we are all helping support her. And so what I realized is that it's really important to make sure that people have a consistent experience. And part of that, a lot of that has to do with the branding. So when we hired a full-time graphic designer in-house, that means every single thing that you see at career Contessa it's going to be branded and we will spend the extra time to make sure that there's not a single email or Instagram post or, you know, written piece of content or even like our online courses, everything is branded. And that way, even though we have a lot of different tools and, and things at Career Contessa, people have a consistent experience and we're able to connect the dots between all those because of design. So that was the second role that I hired for. And then the next role after that was um, what we call a content marketing role. So that person really helps with on the content team, but really all the social media. I mean, the content that we're creating for social media is a whole other animal. You know, Instagram has its own strategy. Pinterest has its own strategy. So having someone who wasn't just like able to post on social media, but that's why we called it a content marketing person, making sure they understood like, hey, this is content that is helping market ourselves or, you know, market ourselves to people on those channels and then ideally bring them back to either careercontestant.com or sign up for our email list. And then most recently we actually created a video team. So we have two video producers that work on anything video related content. Of course, that's a lot of online courses, but also we knew that expanding our mediums for content, not from just having written. Now we have written content, we have a podcast and we have regular video content, regular videos that go up every week. So they really help with that slew of content that we are integrating. And we also have sponsors that work with us on all of the pieces that I've mentioned. So by having a video team and being able to go to a sponsor and say, hey, we can actually create a video series on this. It's nice to be able to offer a menu of items too for them. And then we do have a couple consultants. So we have, I make all the emails and pretty much do all the, the marketing for us at Career Contessa. And so getting a marketing consultant who could help me with the tech side was really a gift to me. <laughs> so we have a marketing consultant who helps us you know, throughout the month. And then we also have a finance manager who, you know, kind of like a payroll specialist and, and helps to make sure that 
you know, bills are being paid, things are being reconciled. And that was another gift to myself, which is like, I can do this, but I'm not the best at it. And I certainly do not know all the laws and the rules. And so I would definitely encourage anyone who's starting a business to make sure you have a really good accountant, payroll specialist, whatever it is, like have someone who's looking out for you financially or your finances as well. Great. Thank you. Do you also have contractors and interns, any other support staff? So we do have contributors for the blog and sparingly, we used to have a ton of contributors for the blog. And honestly, it wasn't that we were anti it. It was just that we really liked creating the content in house. So we have a couple that we work with uh, on somewhat of a regular basis as they have topics that they want to write about and that are interesting. And then all of our career coaches are technically contractors as well. But other than that, we only take on interns when we absolutely need them. And, and right now we're kind of fully staffed up. So you know, all of those are things that we've had at some point. We just don't necessarily have on a consistent basis. Is your team entirely virtual? No. So we work out of a, an in-person office in downtown LA. We rent an office space inside of a co-work space. And I actually, while I'm very pro remote and virtual work, we actually found that so much of our work requires collaboration and brainstorming and that we really enjoy the energy of being in person. So we're actually in the office Monday through Thursday, and then we have a dedicated work from home day, which is every Friday. Ooh, I like that. Very mm-hmm. cool. Okay. Yeah. What tools do you guys use to manage all the projects, every all the moving pieces that you've got going on? Can you share some tools and resources with us? Yeah, absolutely. This is a, a good question just because I, I recently went through and made a list of these because I was like, what? I got to make sure that this is not getting out of control, which by the way, third-party apps, as you know, that can get out of control very quickly. So we use Dropbox to really hold on to all the, the big documents and files. We use Icona Square to help us manage for Instagram. We use Tailwind to help us manage for Pinterest. We use Meet Edgar to help us for kind of all the other social media tools. So like Facebook, LinkedIn, that kind of thing. For project management, we use Slack and we also use Basecamp, which we're, we're pretty much addicted to Slack and Basecamp and we use them kind of together. And then for our webinar technology, we use Crowdcast. For our email provider, we use ConvertKit. And then to help us actually run all the courses and all the pieces that are moving with that, we use Teachable, we use Deadline Funnel, and we use Zapier. And that might be changing, but at the moment we use that. And then we also use lead pages and part, like, we don't actually, I guess, technically need to keep using lead pages because that's a, the ability to do some of that work is in ConvertKit, but we've been using lead pages since the very beginning. In hindsight, we probably should have just, you know, sat down, buckled down and, and moved it all because it would have been one last piece to use. But we do still use lead pages for all of our landing pages and lead boxes and things like that. So I'm familiar with most of these and we use a lot of them in our business as well, but I haven't heard of Iconosquare for Instagram. Can you share yeah. why you it, chose that it, tool? Well, because it's $9 a month. <laughs> it's $9 a month and it allows us to schedule out the posts. So what we do for our Instagram, which we're pretty good at, we have two posts every day and then we put we use stories for all of our articles. So what we found works for us and everybody, you know, this strategy is probably different for everybody, but we found works really well for us is for our posts to be we we definitely went to the side of like being funny and entertaining. So we we usually make a lot of like office related jokes too. <laughs> so we have two posts in our feed each day. Probably one if not both of them will lead to back to an article so the link in bio, but then we utilize the stories and the graphics and the stories to really push people to actually read the articles. So Iconosquare allows us to get everything that's in the feed scheduled. That's why we use it. Okay, very cool. Mm-hmm. So what is your goal setting process for growing Career Contessa? And you, you mentioned that you run new tests every single month. Does that relate to your goals? Well, so, you know, it's what's really interesting about running a career site is that you also have to like actually do the advice that you give people all the time. So it's really important to us that everybody has a lot of clarity on their goals and that we're thinking about, you know, check-ins and good management skills and behaviors and things like that. So what we do is every six months we have, um, we call it a, like a CC organizational day. So we have one coming up at the end of June, but we had one in January and it really sets the tone of like, 
here's how the last six months have gone. Here's where we want the next six months to go. And then together we can brainstorm kind of the tactics of getting us there. So I'm always setting the overarching strategy and explain why this is our strategy and why we're going toward this. But together we come up with the specific tactics that we will use to get there and setting those goals. Because one thing that's really interesting about a startup is that you know, you can kind of have this like hockey stick effect where you can grow immensely. So like sometimes the goals or the numbers, you want to be careful that you're not just setting arbitrary numbers that are either too simple to meet or impossible to meet. Or are you thinking about, okay, well, in order to meet this goal, we're actually going to have to, you know, utilize paid marketing tactics or, and so we're really specific about what our goals are but we don't think about it for more than six months at a time. And part of that is again, like just the, the changing nature of a startup, you know, we set goals in January by June, we could potentially like for our SEO goal, we're way ahead of where we thought we would be. So it makes sense for us to re-examine that goal in June and be like, okay, so actually we should really be striving for this many page views a month by the end of the year. And not that because, you know, now that goal has been edited and it would have been too easy to make. And while easy is good, it's, it's not great when you're trying to grow overall. So, and then the other thing that we do at Career Contessa is Wednesday is our meeting day. So every Wednesday we have a weekly check-in where everyone talks about what they're working on. We have um, a content review meeting, and then we also have a marketing meeting. So we're pretty, like, it would be very challenging for someone to be left out of the loop of how we're performing because we are constantly looking at like how are we performing what are the results and talking about it so that marketing report that we create every month is where we write down here's what we experimented with for you know marketing related to this or this or this here's what we did and here's what worked and what didn't work so we've been having creating marketing reports every month for the last like three years so it's interesting because you can go back and you can start to see and you can compare and all that good stuff So what are those things that have worked great that you just thought, oh, we'll try this out. And then it worked amazingly well. Yeah. So for us, our email list is definitely the highest converting tool for sales related to the online courses. So really, you know, we've tried paid marketing in a variety of ways and we just haven't had as much luck with that for, we just don't get the bank for the buck, so to speak. So we've been testing and having a lot of luck with this year. And and luckily our email list is large enough that this has been working for us, but really coming up with segments for the email list and inviting those people to register for a webinar that's related to a specific topic. So we have a variety of online courses. So, and another thing that makes us different than a lot of other websites is like, we have multiple courses, you know, we already have about 10 courses on our site. So when we're doing marketing each month, sometimes we're marketing the resume course or the LinkedIn course. And then the next month we're, we're marketing the the manager course or, you know, the productivity course. So utilizing webinars through our email list, so getting people from the email list to register for the webinars and then from the webinars, sending people down sales funnels. So that's something that's been working really well for us. The other thing that's been working well for us and we're kind of slowly in the process of integrating is all of our sales pages were hosted on Teachable. And while Teachable is great for sales pages, it didn't allow us as much freedom as we really wanted. So we started creating our own sales pages And now you can no longer just buy right away. Anybody who looks at a sales page for like, I don't know, the Job Search Academy is a good example. If you go from our website to the Job Search Academy, you can't just buy it. You have to click on the, the call to action, give us your email address, and then it sends you to the purchase page. But if you don't purchase, because what we were finding is that actually a lot of people were leaving their cart empty. So we were like, well, that's not great. How can we somehow take advantage of the fact that people were interested enough to, to put it to their cart. So that's why we started adding that kind of wall in front of the purchase. I like that a lot because then you know that they're interested mm-hmm. and so then you can get back in front of them because you've tagged them appropriately and convert kit. Exactly. So, and that, that's what I was going to say. It's like, and then if they don't buy, we know they were interested in that. Like, so now we just know everything about anything they're doing on the site. So if they are interested enough in the job search Academy course to click on that they go through the email sequence and they don't buy. Well, guess what? Pretty soon we're probably going to have a webinar related to that. And now we can invite them to the webinar and then we can send them through another funnel and everybody's tagged and segmented. And the other thing we started doing that's been helping a lot. And the reason why we were able to determine all this 
is we started surveying people all the time. So people who would show up to the webinar before they would get there, we would say, well, what's your biggest challenge? How can we help you? So we know, and we're literally using people's words in our sales copy or in our webinar copy to be like, Hey, we know you're afraid of X, Y, Z because you've told us. And so I also think that's something that's really valuable. And I know it's a complete pain in the butt and no one wants to hear that you should take time out to survey your audience all the time. But we ask people all the time, why did you buy? Why did you not buy? What's your biggest challenge? What made you stop halfway through? And all of that information is just slowly adding, you know, more uh, puzzle pieces and the puzzle is getting put together a little bit more each time we do it. Very cool. And then you can address those objections too. And totally. Or, or you know, respond back to them and let them know like this might not have been a great choice for you now, but here we've got this other offer that might be. Uh, exactly. And, and that's why also in those emails, we tell people at the bottom of every single email. So like, let's, let's stick with the job search Academy example. If somebody went through that email funnel and then we started to, and they didn't buy, and then we started to ask them to join us on a webinar at the bottom of that webinar email, where it's, you know, asking you to register, it will also tell you like, Hey, we know that timing matters a lot. If you want to just opt out and not get any more emails about this, but you want to stay on the list, let us know. And so we give people the ability to basically say like, I'm not looking for a job right now, but that doesn't mean I'm never going to be looking for a job again. Having those funnels so that we understand where people are, because again, job search stuff, especially in, in a lot of things, actually like timing matters a lot. The other thing that I'll say strategy wise that we started implementing probably around January also, that's been really, really important is we used to try to offer people, create urgency by giving people a discount. So it was like, okay, if you act now, you can get the Job Search Academy for 20% off. And guess what? We learned through those surveys that no one really cares about the 20% off. You know, what they really care about is this other thing, or here's why they didn't buy it. But pretty much that discount that we thought was going to create this intense urgency for people to hit buy wasn't doing that. So we started offering bonuses, so limited time bonuses or a bonus only if you buy it when you go through a certain funnel. And that has worked so much better than ever offering a discount. That's great to keep in mind, too, because, you know, a lot of the strategies out there for creating that sense of urgency is to offer a discount, limited time, you know, give them a reason to buy now. And we hear that that can work really well. But that goes back to your point earlier where everything is worth testing. And just because something works well for one person doesn't mean that it'll work the same way with you and your audience and your offer. And so that's something we talk a lot about when we talk about Facebook ads, but I mean, it works in all areas of marketing as well. Everything is worth testing, but then don't be so attached to it. You know, if it didn't work, just understand that your audience might respond differently. Absolutely. And I think what's also important about what you're saying is that one of the things that I got discouraged with at the beginning is, so I sell job search related content and tools, right? So these are people who are not entrepreneurs. They're not looking for marketing tools. They're not part of the online marketing world per se. And I was using a lot of the tactics that work for people who are selling online marketing related tools to try to sell to them. And, you know, just apples and oranges basically is what I was learning. I was like, wow, all this stuff that works for these people to make a million dollars in their launch. Why isn't that working for me? And it's because our audiences are completely different. The psychology behind our audiences and what makes them make decisions and and move forward with purchases is totally different. It's also one of the reasons why we don't sell a $1,000 product. You know, it's not aligned with one, who we are as a company and two, our audience. So that's another thing that to, you know, don't get discouraged by that. If you are selling a product that is not in that world, you can still make a lot of money. You're just going to have to, again, going back to that creative problem solving is like, don't pretend like there's only a few rules that work. You get to make up your own rules and test and and go from there. And that's part of the fun of being an entrepreneur, quite frankly. (laughs) Well, and some people love it and other people, like I even have this too. Like I have days where I'm like, it's just not working and I'm too tired to figure out, you know, keep testing. And honestly, I think that's why having, you know, a marketing consultant or someone else on your team, as you notice, like no one on our team is dedicated to marketing. I pretty much do it. One, I'm selfishly, I really like it. As you said, it can be really fun. And it is one of the really fun parts of being an entrepreneur. But also I find that finding other people that you can talk to about this. That's one of the reasons why it's so important. In growing this business, I mean, you didn't start out with your career thinking that you were going to be a CEO of a company or, you know, creating your own company. So have you had any mindset challenges to overcome in order to step into the CEO and founder role? 
Yeah, I think probably my the biggest one I've had to overcome is just having my identity very much associated with, um, you know, I worked for a large company that everyone had heard of before. I was a recruiter, so that was pretty much a job that didn't require a lot of explanation. And so then when I started working great in Tesla, everyone was like, I don't get what you do. What do you do? Like, I was very uncomfortable with the fact that people didn't like ooh and awe ah over my job title. And frankly, it wasn't even that they were ooh and ah, and they were like just bewildered, like no one got it. So I had a lot of trouble overcoming just kind of my identity not being wrapped up in what my job title is, quite frankly. And so that was challenging for sure. I think the other mindset that I'm always working toward is, you know, not comparing your beginning or middle to someone else's success story. You know, I've, I've been doing this for five years, but I started as a a side hustle. So I've been working on it full time for almost four years, like three and a half years, I guess at this point. And I just try to remind myself all the time that like success is made over many nights, not overnight. And that's something that I'm constantly battling with is like, do not compare yourself. Do not worry about what that person's doing. That's great that they made X amount of money on their online course launch and you, you know, you can have it too. There's enough to go around. And so I know that's kind of a weird thing because you would think that that's part of my you know, DNA, so to speak, is running a career site for women is that there's enough success to go around. But even I have challenges with that at times, but certainly my biggest was definitely the career identity piece. What would you say to someone who is feeling stuck on their path to growth that they're just feeling like, you know, it's not going as fast as I would like it to. I'm not there yet. I have these goals that I'm trying to achieve and it just feels like nothing is working. What would your advice to them be? My advice to them is to always stick with it. You know, I I truly believe that your next move is your best move because any next move means you're moving forward and you're not giving up and you're not just sitting still and, you know, running into analysis paralysis where you just are like, I'm so unsure of what I should do next. I'm not going to make a move at all. So I would just tell anybody listening to this, like stick with it, like keep moving forward. Small steps every day are what add up to the big, big moments. And, And that's, I think, probably ultimately what people need to remind themselves of is like those big moments that you see on someone's Instagram or their website, they had so many days and nights leading up to that, you know, and this is just one blip on the radar. So my advice is always to to stick with it. Progress over perfection, always. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. This was a lot of fun. I could talk to you for hours. Thank you so much for sharing everything about growing your business and all the details. I feel like there's so many takeaways in this conversation for our listeners today. Thank you so much for your time, Lauren. It's great to speak with you. Can you share where people can reach out and learn more about you? Yeah. So we're at Career Contessa pretty much everywhere from Instagram to Pinterest to Twitter. And then our website is uh, www.careercontessa.com. And then I can be found on Instagram. It's at Lauren McGoodwin. And our podcast is called The Females. So those are all good places that you can find us, listen to us, uh, and stay in touch. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Lauren. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Lauren was such a great guest. I could have talked with her about her business and marketing strategies for several more hours. So now it's time to take action. What one thing are you going to implement from the interview with Lauren today? Are you going to audit your website to see how you can attract more email subscribers? Are you going to review your email marketing strategies and see if you can implement some of Lauren's? Or maybe are you going to test new marketing ideas to see what works? So thank you so much to Lauren for joining us on the podcast today and being so open to share how her business is flourishing. Now, remember, you can find all the links and resources that we mentioned in today's episode in the show notes, which you can find at monicalouie.com slash 10. And I want to thank you so much for joining Lauren and me today. If you have found this helpful, please leave a rating and review so that more people can find this podcast and subscribe so that you can be notified when the next episode comes out. Brand new episodes come out every single Thursday. And next week, I'm sharing how to craft an irresistible offer that your audience can't ignore. So take care and bye for now. 